It seems like one by one they're crossing over. We're getting more on that side than we've got on this side for sure. Aren't you glad that this thing called death, to many people it would be a horrific thing to face it, but for a child of God that it's ready. I was thinking about it yesterday and I told Carol, I said, you know, it must have been that the Lord just had it so in his plan that he worked it out that while all this COVID thing has gone all the way around the globe, he just decided it's this one's time, that 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 one's time. Because it's, it's happening all over the world that saints of God are leaving. Now to us, we look at death and we say, oh my goodness, so-and-so got killed in a car wreck. And we say, how could that be? They were such a godly person. Isaiah got sawed in two or stuffed into a hollow tree. Bartholomew, the Romans peeled his skin off of his bones and his muscles the way you'd skin an onion or a piece of fruit. That's the way we look at death with that, oh my, my. But the Lord doesn't look at death that way. He looks at it so different. The means by which we go is not so much the thing. It's being ready to go when it comes time to go. So that's what really matters to him. So we certainly want to remember those, as Brother Louis already said, this lost loved ones during this time. And uh, we just believe that the Lord has our lives in his hands. And I remind the devil, I remind him, he cannot take us until God is done with our lives. I don't care what he does, how much he threats, whatever he does, he cannot do it. I went and prayed for three people this week. Uh, Sister Joanne was in intensive care and Sister Naomi, they just stepped her down an hour maybe before I got there. Prayed for her. Prayed for Brother Jim Babb. Brother Jim Babb, they moved him out of the COVID intensive care this morning over to the regular intensive care, which we're grateful for that step down. Sister Joanne got to go home. Thank the Lord for that. Sister Naomi got to go home. One of them got to go to the real heavenly home. So we want to remember all. We certainly appreciate the kindness of the Lord Jesus and all of your kindness helping each other during this, this time frame. How many would like to be remembered today as we go, go before the Lord before we read the word? <clears throat> Great Adonai, we approach you today, our Father, with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thank you for being mindful of us, Lord Jesus, in these troublesome times. We look around the earth, and Father, we see the global tension that's over the earth. We see the riots. We see people that are being turned into a race of violent human beings. It's awful. We never thought that our nation would have so many riots from one city to the other. And the government just lets it go right on. But it shows it because our leaders are so rebellious themselves. And we know that down through time we can follow the history of Israel and see the type of a leader that Israel had. It was a great reflection of what the people were. 
Saul was a perfect reflection of the way the people were. He was a stubborn, selfish, self-centered individual, hard-headed, couldn't tell him anything. He was a reflection of the people who wanted a king. And then we see there was times that there was godly people, godly men. The people changed. They began to pray and ask God to intervene. So it's easy for us to see who's ruling our nation, who's ruling our world. Our leaders are a reflection of the people. But we know in the millennium that it will be a great sign again when the son of David will come and he will set up a righteous kingdom upon the earth. Lord, we long for that day. We pray for those today, Father, that are hurting, those that have, as we say the term, lost loved ones. We know something is not lost, really, when you know where it is. But we say, well, I lost my keys, and I lost this. And what that means is we don't know where they are. But really, when a child of God leaves this world, they are not lost. They're just out of our presence. So we pray that you would comfort everyone, Father, not only in our church, but around the world. We pray for those that are still sick, those that are still suffering and dealing with symptoms of this COVID and other things, Lord. We pray for Brother Jim Babb today. Lord, the only one, as far as I know, that's still in the hospital and still in critical condition. But we're believing you, Father, that you're going to bring our brother out. We're just asking you, and we'll pray that way until you say different, because that's general orders. Now, we ask now that you would help us as we look into your word. We've come, Father, that we might be a better people when we leave. And we know that's only possible by hearing the word and seeing the image of what the word projects and us being changed into that image. So we ask you that you'd help us today. Help me that I can get out of the way, that I won't say anything that would be displeasing to you. Help the people that they can hear and receive. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Now, some of you have seen some little gadgets sitting around up here. There's a black one sitting up here, and I don't see the other two, but there's a couple more back there. There's one out here in the, in the foyer. There's one in the fellowship hall. Those things are designed by NASA. They're supposed to go after all kinds of germs. Don't worry, they don't affect your wallet. But they're supposed to go after uh, cold germs and flu germs and COVID germs and all kinds of things like that. So there's a brother in the message that's been selling them. It's actually Brother Philip's brother. And he's uh, just letting message churches have him for, for his cost. So whenever I heard about it and he called me on the phone and was telling me about it, I thought it would be something else we could just add to our armor to be able to meet this devil. Because we know that's what it is. It is a devil. And I believe God's going to give us victory over it. Now, in that time... The Bible tells me whenever Noah heard the voice of God that Noah moved with fear. Now the word the Bible uses is fear. That does not mean that it was a paralyzing fear that it overwhelmed him. But it, when you look at the word, it's profound use of the word. Mo Noah moved with that respect, that honor, and that trust with God. It would have done no good now if God would have just told him to do it. And I said, okay, right, whatever. But Noah did what God told him to do. So we want to do what we can do to be able to make things better, right? right. You got high blood pressure and you eat sodium like I don't know what. Don't blame God if you have a heart attack. 
So if you don't take care of yourself, so anything that we can do as your pastor, I want to try to make it as healthy as possible so we can be able to go on and have church. I told Carol the other day, I said, you look at this, this devil out of hell that's attacked us, not only us, but different people around the world. And then, not only does that attack us physically, but tries to knock us out of church, which is the very place we need to go in such troublesome times. But I've got news for hell today. We are the victors. Amen. You believe that? How many wants the victory? Over everything. Now, we don't want to be like the little boy and the little girl. Two little children that went to church all their life, a little boy and his sister. And they was going to play church. Now, probably some of your, church, your children has played church, and maybe some of you did. You played church when you were kids. And the little boy and the little girl, they decided they was going to play church. Well, they had to decide who was going to be the preacher. And who was going to be first and giving testimonies and leading singing and so on and so on. So finally the little boy just bent and gave in to his little sister and let her open the service. And let her give her first testimony. So she said, I want to thank God for the victory. The little boy spoke up and said, you ain't got the victory, you got your way. <laughs> now, we don't want to be like that as Christians, do we? We want the victory whether we get our way or not. We want his way. Now come on, say amen. Sometimes there's things he does, we just don't understand it. Sometimes we just flat out don't like it. But we want to have the victory even in those times. Amen. God bless you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. I love the book of Ephesians. It's such a wonderful, wonderful book. So short. Just has a few chapters, but it's tremendous. The prophet parallels the book of Ephesians to the book of Joshua of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, he calls the book of Ephesians the book of Joshua of the New Testament because it positionally places people in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 22. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now just read it again. And has put all things under his feet. So we're talking about now a body. And has given him to be the head over all things to the church. So who are his feet? The church. Amen. Notice verse 23, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. Chapter 2, verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Chapter 5, verse 23, for the husband 
is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And I want you to notice now, he is the Savior of the body. The Savior of the body. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. Two major images that we've been looking at for, for a couple of services, that is the church as a family and the church as a body. It's the mystical body that is global, of course. The picture of the church as a body helps us to see how the Lord Jesus will continue his work on the earth. We call it sometimes, and we say, well, Brother Tim Pruitt's church, and Brother Donnie's church, and Brother Ron Spencer's church. I understand what people are saying when they say that. But in reality, it's not my church, it's not Brother Tim's church, Brother John, it's not any other man's church, but it actually overall belongs to the Lord Jesus. But we know that for him to carry out his work through the ages, I love this and I, I hate to see it whenever so many of the folks that follow around the message still haven't seen it to this day, that the continuing ministry that is ongoing globally it is not so much the continuing ministry just of Brother Branham or the continuing ministry of this man that died and people are still listening to his tapes. I've got some of Brother Neville's tapes and I have listened to them. Other men that have lived in this age in the message, I've listened to some of theirs before as well. And no doubt if I should pass away, there'll be people that would listen to some of mine or Brother Tim's or whoever they are. But it's not us trying to keep the ministry of a man who's passed into another dimension and keep his ministry ongoing so much as it is the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Because only the Lord Jesus can have a continuing ministry that will be ongoing and make it personal even though he has moved into another dimension. Now I realize that a lot of the message folks that try to keep Brother Branham's ministry alive and I've said in some of those services before when they will turn on a tape and they will say, we now invite our pastor to come to the pulpit. And then someone in a room back there or over here or wherever they are, they will push play and then they will act like that Brother Branham is there preaching. And that's what they are. They are actors. Because Brother Branham is not there. That's right. Brother Branham is not there. Say it what it is. We are now going to play a pre-recorded sermon that was recorded in 1965. And we know and believe it will be a blessing to you. But when you go to try to make that pre-recorded tape a man, you are an idolater. 
and you are an idol worshiper. That's right. And when you try to say that man is alive and at the end of a communion service, you will stand up and cry tears and wipe your nose and your eyes and say, hasn't it been so wonderful to be able to partake of communion with the prophet of God? If you are communing with the dead, you are a spiritualist. Well, praise the Lord. That's exactly right. But really, we know, and it should not be a shock to us, that Satan would want to do that. But it doesn't take away from the value of the tapes that we have. And don't let that nonsense keep you away from listening to them. Don't let that nonsense keep you away from reading the message and filling your spirit with the message of the hour. That's just scarecrows to scare the crows. But it don't scare us. So we know then that the Lord Jesus wanted to continue his work in so much that he would himself be the head of the body. In this state, it will be the mystical body that we're talking about. And the Lord Jesus is the living head. So the Lord Jesus, if he is the living head, he must have a living body that he can be the head of. Now let's look at it in this sense, in the realm where the saints of God that have left for the last 2,000 years, in the dimension where they go, and it was called the sixth dimension or under the altar, all of those saints that are there have entered into a theophany body. They have nothing to do in relation to the ministry of the Lord Jesus on the earth now. Saint Cecilia, Saint Jerome, Saint Mary, Saint Joseph, Saint this, Saint that, they have nothing to do with you and I on this earth. Now, and you know, we know that's Catholicism, but if you really study the message, folks, and the direction they're going, you realize some of them are just as bad as the Catholics are. But you know, when you go to these Catholic nations, and I've been to many of them, and see their cities, and they will have a patron saint of, say, Lisbon, Portugal. They will have a, a patron saint of that city, and then Rome, and then you know, Vienna, wherever it is. So they will have a patron saint, and then they will have a saint of war, and then they will have a saint of sailing. So whenever you're going out on a ship, then you will pray to that saint. Saint, oh, saint, so-and-so, be mindful of us. Keep us from the winds and the waves. So you're praying to that saint, and that saint supposedly is in another dimension, and that saint's going up before the throne of God and asking God to be mindful of your needs. Aren't you glad we've got one mediator? So whether I'm on a boat or in an automobile or in an airplane or on a bat or a bicycle or the back of old zombie years ago, I've got one watching over me and it ain't Cecilia or St. Mary, it's the Lord Jesus himself. So the saints that have gone on have absolutely nothing to do with the administration of the word that is ongoing on the earth. Now can saints appear and 
dreams and so on? Yes, they can. But are they ministering to us? Are they rendering blessings? Are they warring off evil spirits? Absolutely not. There's not one place in the New Testament that teaches any such thing. Remember, the only way the witch of Endor could call up the spirit of Samuel was because the blood had not been shed and paradise was the dimension right above Hades or Sheol and it was there that the saints of God went because the blood of an animal had not been sprinkled not holy enough to be sprinkled on the heavenly altar. Not one blood of a lamb, a goat, a turtle dove or a pigeon was ever carried up to be sprinkled on the blood before almighty God. But they were spread upon a natural altar on the earth. So from Adam on up, then the saints of God that died went into a holding place of the righteous souls, which was called paradise. The Lord Jesus addressed this to the thief on the cross, and he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So once the blood was shed, then Jesus emptied out paradise, and we know that he went down and preached to the souls that were in prison, and then he goes over, of course, and goes to Abraham, Ezekiel, Isaac, Jacob, all the elect of God, and emptied out paradise, raises up their body, and Matthew 27, 53, and they were seen of many. So here they are in a transition from that dimension downward, and God allows them to come upon the earth for whatever reason. Brother Ram said that Abraham and Sarah walked upon the earth, and they visited some of the places that they had visited while they were here the first time. Wow, that must have been something. And the brother M said that they was walking around there and said, people said, who is that young man and that young woman? And Abraham said to Sarah, Sarah, we better go. We're being recognized. So they were allowed to walk upon the earth now for 40 days and they would appear and disappear. But once the Lord Jesus now ascended up and he took them with him, then we have nowhere in the teaching of the New Testament is it written in the Bible that any of those saints are called from the sixth dimension down to minister to us. But God does have ministering beings in the supernatural realm and ministering men ministry on the earth and most of them correlate together to minister to the church of the living God. So the ongoing ministry of the Lord Jesus is not through saints that are in another dimension. So Brother Branham has completed his journey. His work is absolutely come to its end as far as the physical ministry on the earth. And so is Paul, so is Peter. Oh, but Brother Donnie, oh, but when, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm waiting for Brother Branham to come back. I am too with the rest of the saints. The dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive are going to be changed. Is that what the Bible tells us? I'm waiting for him too, but I am not waiting for Brother Branham to have a personal private resurrection. And then for Brother Branham go to flying around in an old beat up airplane which they've still got sitting out yonder. Why in the world would he want to fly around in that thing and go hunting a bear and a caribou in a glorified body? Right. Come on now, saints. Why in the world would he want to come here? I 
I'm looking for him, absolutely, but I'm also looking for many of the saints that have sat right here among us. I ain't just looking for Brother Branham alone. I'm looking for some of your husbands and your wives and your children and your loved ones. Is that right? But the Lord Jesus wanted a continuation of his ministry that would be in the body. Now, Paul knew. He said, when my time is over, I know that grievous wolves shall come among you. So Paul did not preach nor believe that he would have a continuing ministry after he had left the earth. But he believed the word would continue on how. So he ordained men that were younger than himself and he told them to go and what did they do? Timothy went into other cities and ordained elders in every city. So it was not then that they would just replicate Paul's writings over and over and over again and then when they would go out they'd just hand everybody a book and that's all you needed to do is just sit around and read one of Paul's books. Paul did not believe it that way. What if Brother Branham was a messenger from God and we believe that he was that he could not break the pattern that God set up under the administration of Paul. Now come on, if we believe Jesus is the same yesterday and forever, we cannot believe that God started it out with Paul in this way, that Paul would preach and then Paul would ordain men, they would ordain men, they would ordain men, on down through every generation God called men and the gospel would be carried right down to the last one would come in. Now if we believe then that Brother Branham come and brought something totally brand new, something totally different and therefore we don't need preachers, we really don't even need churches actually because we can just stay home and click in on Jeffersonville as far as what they're playing. Then we give our bread from headquarters because this is what the leader at headquarters feels that we ought to play. Well, if that's what you want to follow, that's entirely up to you. But I know this thing, the prophet of God said, if the people of this message ever mentioned denomination among you, the very hour he said that you place man as your leader, you are dead. And the Spirit of God will leave the message people the very hour they make any man, I don't care who he is or what his first, middle, or last name is. When you make man your leader, don't you understand, friend, that even Brother Branham, when he was asked so many questions, he said, well, Brother, Sister, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. How many times have y'all come to me and asked me, Brother Donnie, what about this? What about that? And I say, I really don't know. I'll be praying for you. If I find an answer, I'll try my best to look and see if I can find something. God don't want any man, I don't care who he is, no man to be your leader in the sense of you have to ask him, can I trade cars? Can I go on vacation? You understand there are pastors in the message that do that. Before you go on vacation, you've got to send your vacation plans to them and they approve whether you can go. You can trade cars, you can do this. That is a dictator. God never called men to be dictators of the life of the sheep, but he called them to feed the sheep, take care of the sheep, love the sheep, watch over the sheep. Is that right? 
So God wanted to continue his own ministry on the earth, not from the sixth dimension, but from the current dimension that we live in. So God designed this that it would be the ongoing ministry or the continuation of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Now in that of course is the local body, the local assemblies. And they did not have churches in the first age in the sense that we do today. You'd never walk by and see a First Baptist Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Methodist, Pentecostal, this, that, the other. They just didn't have them. They didn't even have buildings initially. They had, this is why the office of trustees was not a scriptural office in the beginning. But it began to become an office after the church got property and they needed people to kind of watch over that aspect. But in the Bible, there were no trustees. But there were deacons. And what were the deacons for? They were not called to be able to tell the preacher what to preach, do this and go there. You know how that is. But they were called to assist the saints of God. When the apostle said it's not right for us to wait on tables, but they chose out deacons, men that were filled with the Holy Ghost to be able to help. What is that? Part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus ministering to the needs of the body. But what were they ministering? Bread. They were ministering to their natural needs. But to minister the word, it should be a God called man that's not called by mama, called by daddy, but called by the Holy Ghost. And then in that, every member will have something they can do. Now some of you will never preach, we know. You'll never prophesy. You may never see a vision or have a spiritual dream. But everyone has a ministry in the aspect that you fit inside the body. Now I've done a study several years ago. I've never got to preach it actually. But I studied on every system that there is in the natural body. The circulatory system, the lymphatic system, you know, the skeletal, the muscular, all of that. It's absolutely phenomenal when you look at it and how the Lord types the spiritual church with the natural body. But let's just look at one of them today and that is that love would be like the circulatory system of the body. Now those of you that have been outside and whenever it's been really, really cold and if you're out there very long exposed, your extremities is what the cold will hit first. That is your fingertips and your toes. Now whenever your body senses that it's so cold on the outside, it will start drawing heat from these extremities. So your fingertips will get numb. Now if that continues on and you're exposed to wind and the chill and the temperature dropping, then your body will continue to pull the heat away from the extremities and it's pulling it toward the torso. Because right here is where so many of your organs and all that is. Now it's doing that because it is survival mode. So here love is the circulatory system of the body. That is of the local body and also of the mystical body around the world. Now we know there's certain parts of the body that we can do without. Some of you probably had maybe tonsils removed, adenoids, and maybe some of you's got a kidney that's been removed, one of them. Or an appendix or this or that. And there's certain things that you can live without. But there's other parts in your body that is totally impossible for you to survive without. 
There are certain things that the church, natural, can be able to live without. But you know what? It's that way in the spiritual sense of an isolated Christian. Christians that pull themselves away from the body. Now, I don't need to go to church. I don't need this. I don't need that. Well, when a person doesn't, I'm not talking about people that cannot get to where a church is because in their heart, they're longing, they're hungering, and they believe they need to be there. Because of the present conditions of time or finances or distance or whatever it is, they simply cannot go. But that's not showing an unbelieving spirit in the heart of that child of God because they want to be, they long to be, they crave to be. And what do they do? Thank God for the internet in that sense that they're able to go here and get that man's service, that man's service, and that man. Is it the same as being there? Of course not. We've all had to stream before, and we know it's not the same. And God set it up this way that the body would need to be together. So it is impossible for the gifts to be able to minister to an isolated Christian. Now, most of the time, these selfish, self-centered people will say, well, I don't need to go to church. I, 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 I. Well, you're only looking at part of the picture. You see, being baptized into the mystical body of Christ by the Holy Ghost, it's not just about you, but it's also about not what you get, but what you give. Now, I'm not talking about your money, but I'm talking about something that God has given to each of us to minister back to the body itself. Now more than likely there's many parts about our body that most of us will never know. We'll never understand. Some of the medical people here in the church would be able to explain the lymphatics and this and that. Why? We don't care that much about it. We don't think that much about it unless you have a problem with it. Then you go to the doctor and the doctor says you've got swollen lymph nodes. You've got this or that or the other. You say oh my I never even really thought about lymph nodes before. You will if they get swollen. You will if they get sore. You will if something is going on in your lymphatic system. Is that right? So the same way it is with the body when a portion of the body will begin to hurt. And a portion of the body will become afflicted. Now you know it's really sad to say. But sometimes message folks, they will look at one church you know say our church for example and a few others just got rid. He really hit hard with COVID. And then others will get an attitude (laughs) ain't bothered us I'd be really careful if I was you because you go to getting an arrogant spirit in your flesh ain't good well come on now well so and so the flu's really bad in the cold my wonder why it's hitting their church must be something wrong with them people Oh my, what is that? That is flesh, that is pride, that is arrogance. I guess we got more of the Holy Ghost. No, the truth of it is you just ain't got exposed to it yet quite as much as we have. Your old stinking flesh is just as stinking as ours and just as rotten and just as susceptible as everything else. I hope nobody else does get honesty, to be honest with you. I hope they don't, except for the devil. I hope he goes to ICU in, ICU, all the ICUs. I hope he gets plumbed down with it. But as far as I don't hope nobody else ever gets it. Well, you all, that's the way you all feel. But if some reason we did, and we're gonna climb right over the top of it, and when we do, we're not gonna stick our nose up in the air and say, well, apparently the Lord could trust us more than he could trust 
trust some of these other message people because they didn't have it. It can work either way. But you see, when we are a body, and you're my, how many of you have stumped your toe before? And you're walking in the night, you get up to go to the bathroom or something and you can't see. And you're walking through there, my, my, you go through, ah, oh. Why are you grimacing here? Why are you doing this all over? What's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? You just hurt your toe. Brother Charlie Cox was quite an inventor. So whenever he started getting older and needed to go to the bathroom, he had a string tied by his bed. So he could go like this. What's it for? Keep the toe from being all bruised and beat up. Isn't it amazing how that one little part of the body Brother Dale and myself, Brother Joel Forney and some brothers fears ago was going out to have a little fellowship and we went to a local restaurant here in Johnson City. Whenever Brother Darrell went through the door, double doors like this, except they were wood. And whenever Darryl, Brother Darrell took his hand and pushed on the door to push the door open, he didn't see it, but there was a large, large splinter right there inside that door. And whenever he pushed his hand on that door, his hand slid right up and buried that splinter right in his finger. Of course, you know, he gasped for breath, and my goodness, we looked at it, and the blood was coming out of it. They called the manager of the restaurant, and here they come, and you know, Brother Darrell's kind of laughing, and Brother Jewel Forney was there with us, and oh my, now, you know, I didn't do that. I've had a lot of splinters since I woodwork. I've had a lot of splinters, and I know how painful they could be, but just looking at that, it made me cringe within me. Now, why? Not because I was experiencing pain myself, but my brother was. My brother was experiencing pain. I mean, knows what, you're, what I'm talking about. It's the same way whether it's your daddy, your mama, your brother, your sister, and the love of God, this brotherly kindness, the seventh ad that's added on the top of the pyramid, will actually help us to feel that from within ourselves. If maybe we really don't even care for that brother or that sister in their makeup. Yet when we see them suffer, the brotherly kindness will hold and it will go beyond our human likeness. Well, I really don't like them. I don't care for the way they do that. Isn't it amazing how that God would add this to the body? Why? Because he knew there would be such a diversity of Christians that would make up the church. Now we know, you know, in the first church age, it must have been absolutely overwhelming because some of these cities were port cities like Corinth. So they would have the Greeks. They would have the Bithynians. They would have all kinds of people, the Romans, the Jews, and their cultures and their backgrounds and their makeup would be so different. And they would come into church and my, one was this way and one was that way and one was another way. Don't you understand why Paul was led of the Lord to write these things? It was not just for the prophetic future of the church coming down the road. They were dealing with these issues in the early church. 
They had all these contrasting of opinions and the difference about this and that. And the Lord Jesus wanted them to know, I am going to govern my body from this great thing that I placed upon the earth and that is my word and my spirit. And I will have shepherds and I will have a local flock and then I will have the mystical body. And what I want to be the circulatory system of the entire move of God is going to be my love. Now, signs and wonders, we love them. Oh, I thank God for them, don't you? How I thank God for praise and worship and all that. All of that is a very great, important part. But God never made worship service the circulatory system of the body. He did not make shouting the, the, the great circulatory avenue by which that the body would be ministered to. But he chose one thing, and that was love. Now, human love has its limitations, as we all know. But Paul said, therefore, speaking the truth in love. Now, we know that love can be corrected. We've all been corrected by that kind of love. What's this in Ephesians 5, 23 again? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Notice, not savior just of church members but savior of the body. So the husband is saving his wife, Christ saving the church. Verse 29, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes. notice, as the Lord the church. How many of y'all still feed yourself? Oh my goodness, the rest of you brothers, your wife did that for you? Oh Wow. Carol, honey, would you please take some note from this? How many of y'all give yourself drink, clothe yourself, feed yourself? Why? Self-preservation. So if you get thirsty, especially in the summertime, you're hot and you're dry, you know, you go to crying for something to drink. By the time I get done today, it'll be almost dinner time, so it'll be something inside your body I'm hungry. What are we going to eat at? I'm hungry. Hurry, brother. Don't take too long. I'm hungry. Well, it's something in your body that's pulling, but it takes a cooperation. You see, since we don't have a mouse right here, now Brother Homer says he wished he had one right there. That way he could just scoop the food straight off the table straight in. Well, you see, that's the way some folks are spiritually. They want to bypass the shepherd. And they think just by sitting down, they don't need a preacher, they don't need deacons tell them what to do, so they just think they can just scoop it straight in. Oh boy, you're really deformed, ain't you? God didn't put your mouth right here. He put a belly button right there. And God put a mouth up here. But it also has to coordinate with a brain. And then it has to coordinate with the ligaments, with the joints, with the muscles, with the sinew. God made us to where we have a mechanics and we have a dynamics. Now, most of you know, of course, that there is an element of electricity that is inside of our body. There's also elements of light, cosmic light. So there's light in our body, there is electricity in our body. As a matter of fact, some folks' heart gets 
out of rhythm and it's because of the electrical charge inside the body. Can you imagine how amazing thing that it is? And they will actually have to stop the heart and try to reprogram the heart to make it get back in sync again. And there's charge inside of you that makes you work. The x-rays, try to x-ray that. Why won't it show up? Because there's no light inside that Chinese fake plant in order to reflect the image. But there is one inside of you. So all of you together, you will go out and you say, okay, where are we going for lunch today? Maybe you've done made plans. But it will take cooperation of the anatomy, of the mechanics, of the dynamics, of the electrical charge, of the muscular part, of the skeletal part, of the circulatory part, in order to get you there. And when you go in and you go to look at that menu, you will start utilizing other parts. And if you go somewhere where they got that fresh bread, my, that butter running down the side of it, and you're just sitting there thinking, oh, oh, I know I want some of that. Oh my, what do I want today? What do I want? Well, what are you accessing? You're accessing your eyes. You're accessing then the sensors that are in behind your eyes, the perception of how that our brain turns out around to the eyeball and sends it right back into the brain and then we're sitting there looking at it. You're utilizing your touch. You're utilizing your ability to read. You're utilizing light and you're utilizing these different parts of your body to what? Bring forth something that will fill your stomach. That stomach will turn that and begin to process that food and disperse that energy of the molecular study or structure of your body rather and it will give you strength and then you get all sleepy. I think the Mexicans got a great idea myself on the siesta. Well, what about the spiritual body? We're not all deacons. We're not all preachers. We're not all musicians. Oh, children. Do you think that I just happened to plan these things about the body and ministering to the body and I purposely coincided them before we were hit again this other time with COVID? Do you think I'm that smart? Well, I can tell you, I ain't. I am a first class dummy. I don't know how to lead you. I don't know how to guide you by myself. How can I do it? I've never been to heaven in a form that I could remember my way back. Had I been somewhere and knew the way, and I've got pretty good direction about me, so I'm able to find my way and find myself, but I've never been there in a conscious form. I've never been, we have never been as a church where we are right now. In the message, we have never been where we are right now. And me hearing from people around the world with so many things that are going on, oh, but I say, if this is what it takes to bring the end time on, bring it on. Oh my Lord, if this is what we need to shake us up and get us ready and get our lives, our walks, our fellowship with God where it needs to be, may the Lord grant us strength to be able to face it. Notice Paul says, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. Now, I know we're only looking at what we've been through in the last few weeks, and many of us just looking on the negative side, but if you can just imagine as you stump your toe 
or his brother Darrell when he run that splinter up in his hand. Yes, they got it out. <laughs> but it was very painful getting it out. And the manager gave us an appetizer and wanted to know if we wanted dessert and wanted to know all kinds of things. Why? Special treatment. Well, how you believe what you want to believe. But I believe the hell that breaks against us as a people of God. Our shepherd feels our anxiety. Our shepherd feels our trouble. He feels our heartache. And as us brothers got around, Brother Darrell, Brother Darrell, you okay, buddy? You all right, buddy? And somebody had a knife and they reached in there and grabbed a hold of that thing and dug it out. I don't want to make you sick. But anyway, got, got the, the splinter out of his hand. And we just kept on talking to him and asking, Brother Darrell, you okay? You okay, buddy? Yeah, I'm okay. What was it? We were ministering to that need of the body. Oh, my. You imagine the Lord Jesus. You think he's just going to let us go through things and say, well, go ahead and go on. Y'all just do whatever you want to do. Get by the best you can. I don't believe that. I believe he wants to not only give us strength to go through it, but pull us up real close to him and let him hug us real close and whisper to us, children, I love you. I knew this was going to come. I knew it would shock you. I knew it would surprise you. But don't think I I've left you. Don't think I've forsaken you. I love you. And I pulled you up real close that I can give you my strength. Oh, come near us, Lord Jesus. Notice this. Paul says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So the bride here is an illusion that Paul is using, making this of the antitype of Genesis. When Adam looked at Eve, I don't think there's any way we could imagine the shock that it must have placed upon him that day. As he went to sleep and father gave him some sort of anesthesia. And he took maybe his fingers, it were, and opened up his side pulled it apart and removed the rib. Then Papa began to form a female body from this. And while he had his side open, let's say it like this, he went into his spirit and pulled out that feminist traits, gentleness, sweetness, kindness, the things a woman has that a man don't. And put that spirit inside that body and then God allowed her to come to life you imagine her she stood up upon the earth the most beautiful the most perfect woman that ever lived hair blonde hanging down her back her eyes as the blue as the skies she looked over at Papa maybe he spoke to her Took her by the hand, and Adam is laying out, as would say, he's still under the anesthesia. And Papa stands there by him and tells her, Hold him by the hand. Rub his arm. There laid that arm that was to never age. There laid that arm that was to never rot in a grave. And the anesthesia goes to weighing off of this man, and as he Goes to bat in his eyes. Those of you that have been out, you know how it is. And I've stood by many when they, I would be the first one to see them after surgeries, heart surgeries and different things. And as they go to coming out and their body jerking and twitching and their eyes batting real fast and they're in and out of consciousness. 
And then I speak to him. Brother so-and-so, this is Brother Donnie. Now, Brother Donnie, Brother Donnie. He went to sleep as no woman, but he woke up as one. Hallelujah. His heart, Lance, must have raced a little bit. His blood pressure fluctuated somewhat. God said, rub him now. Calm him down. You say, wives, that's what you're called to do. Calm him down. You're saying Brother Branham was just taking up, quote, space. When he said about your sisters that when your husband's worked and had a hard day, you meet him at the door all prettied up, was the word he used. You say, oh dear, you've had such a hard day. Come in. You take him over and set him down on a chair. And then you sit down on his lap. And you women want to know what you can do to serve God. I just quoted you another quote. He cares to you care, 1963. Oh my, where do you women get this? You get it from the first one. This was her place. Adam didn't need her to be his surgeon. He didn't need her to start guiding Adam's footsteps. He needed her to help him in life. Don't you understand what the Lord Jesus wants of us? It's not for us on the earth to tell him how to run his church. It's not for us. Don't you see, this is why he so hates a denominational system. Because a denominational system wants to tell him how he ought to run his church. And how his church ought to dress. And how his church ought to act. And how his church ought to do this. He don't need us to tell him that. He needs us to do our feminist counterpart. Which is what? Bear him children. Bear him children. Cast out devils in his name. Express his character. And lead people to him. We're not called to instruct him. We're not called to, you need to join your church this way. Well, our board says, this is what the church, your board ain't got no business telling Jesus how he ought to run the church. Oh. Watch it, Missy. It's okay. It's okay. Who are you? Who are you? She could have answered back, I'm waiting on you to tell me that. She had no name. Praise God. But he looks at her and says, You are a For you were taken out of Ish. Man, Ish. Hebrew. Woman, Isha. Or hope it don't stagger you or stumble you. Or you are a man with a womb. Womb, man. 
But remember, God separated that from him. So a bunch of these perverts in the day that we're living in, they're wanting to get all sex changed and this, that, and other. What they need is a soul change. Oh, I know, I know in Canada, you know, it's getting to where that you can't do it in different parts of Africa and all that sort of thing. And no doubt it'll finally hit us. It'll finally hit us to where that you can no longer, you know, realize that in some countries, Australia being one of them, that mothers and fathers that see their children going toward, you know, the, the, the lesbian or gay type of deal, they are breaking the law if they try to talk their children out of such a thing. Oh, why, friend? Because we're at the very end time. Who had ever thought it would be such a thing upon the earth? But yet God now gave this man, he said, you are now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So it was revealed to Adam that she is now going to enjoy the closeness with him. Him was her that he could not enjoy with any animal. He could not enjoy with any tree, with any bird, any butterfly. There would be such a union between him and this wife, they would actually think alike. Their names would be so similar, Ish and Ishai. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter five, and God called their name Adam. Not Adam and Eve, Adam. So if you would have walked through the Garden of Eden and said, Adam, both the man and the woman would have said, yes. Oh, how sad. How sad when Christians can no longer be identified of being with Christ, but they've got to be Baptist, Methodist, Church of God. When did Eve get her own name? When she committed adultery. When the denominations get their own name, when they committed adultery. When the message folks get their name, when they committed adultery. Perusia, seventh thunder, return ministry, tape only. What is that? It's another man-made system to rename the bride and to keep the bride from answering to her husband's name, Jesus Christ. God don't want you to answer to the name Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He don't want you to answer to the name of Seventh Thunder or Perusia. He wants you to answer to the name of Miss Jesus Christ, the bride of the Lord Jesus. What you notice is in Christ's mystery, the prophet said he is the head of the church, which is his body. He wants the preeminences. Listen now. Listen close. While we're going, what? He is to be the head of the body, his bride's body, which is taken from him, flesh and bone, like an Adam. See, bride, born from the dead. See, that's born from the dead, sin of unbelief. What killed Eve? Unbelief. Is that right? Their unbelief in what? For unbelief in God? No. She had faith in God. Eve was not an infidel or an agnostic. The devil never told her, there is no God. Just said, oh, that's right, I don't believe in him. She's seen him every day. Friends, don't you understand what separates the bride from the church? The church believes in God, but they can't take all of his word. She had faith in God. Sure, did she say there's no God? No, sir, she wasn't an infidel. Well, she said, you know, I don't believe his word at all. Oh, no. She believed all 
But one little thing. Oh, Lord. I cannot imagine how it must have been that day. As he returned from out here, whatever he was doing. And as soon as he looked at her, he knew something was changed. She was different. And she began to approach him in a way that he'd never seen before. Her designer had enlightened her to her powers and her abilities of deception. I was with some preachers down at Brother Tim's home. <clears throat> Sister Karen had passed. There was a brother there and he was talking about he visited a certain move around this message years ago. And he was so impressed with the music and with the order of everything, because this particular group around the message has everything in order. I mean, they've got money, they've got order, they've got, and this brother was so impressed. And he just watched the way it worked. And his words were, it was like a well-oiled machine. And as he was there speaking and hearing others, and he began to think, my, I believe this, this, this must be right. This must be true. They're singing, they're special singing, they're musicians, my great musician, great singers, great preachers, great, 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 great. But all of a sudden as he sat there in the service, one of the services, he saw a vision. And he watched. And here come a seductive woman, scantily dressed, very beautiful woman to look at, he said. And she was walking over the top of the congregation. And she was coming right at him. And she was taking her finger and doing this. Beckoning him. What for? To join this message move. You think churches don't have spirits? You think people don't pack spirits? And I sat there and watched him as he told that, and he shared it with me before in private before. But you could still see the impact of this brother Skip on his face and on his facial expressions. It's like when he retold it once again, he was back there reliving it. Because he realized how close he come to joining up with that harlot system. You see, God represents his bride as a woman. Satan represents his bride as a woman. And harlot systems around this message are also represented as women. And you see, when many of these men who are nothing more than kingdom builders is all they are, they themselves become under that harlotry anointing that have been deceived and betrayed. Then they become human instrumentality by which this female harlot spirit can use their gifts. And many of these men are very gifted. 
and they will sell out. Oh my, they'll preach against Catholics. They'll preach against Baptists. They'll preach against Methodists and Church of God and then just as big a horror move as the above named. Well, you got quiet on me. Why? Because that spirit takes on flesh and those that are there. Now this brother was a very privileged by God to be able to see such a thing because it spared him wasted years of his life and of his ministry. And if you knew him, you'd know why Satan would want to do this because he's been such a great blessing to the bride. And here God had been able to break through and show him what? Satan's Eve. But now it was not dressed up by Miss Baptist, Miss Methodist, but a move around this message. Lord God, help us. Notice that the prophet said, she is flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, life of his life, power of his power. She is him. You see, this vision that this brother saw, there was one main leader in this move. The move is still alive. It's dying, but they're still trying to keep it alive. Let me say it that way. This demon represented in the form of a woman had taken on flesh in the followers of that system. And they become flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. So they told him how to worship. They told him how to do this and they told him how to do something else. What was he? The head. The head that manipulated the rest of the body. So no matter where you went around the world, I preached the followers of this certain thing all around the world. No matter where you go around the world, you know who they are. Because of the way they act, because of the way they do, the terms they use, what are they doing taking on flesh? Oh, children, why would you want to take on flesh of Donnie Reagan or some other preacher? Why would we settle for something less to be like what man would want us to be when the Lord God wants us to be like him? As man and woman are one, and woman taken from his side, she had taken a spirit, the feminist spirit, from him, the flesh from his side, made most mechanics and dynamics. The wife, the spirit of him, and the flesh of him put it together, made mechanics and dynamics. Mechanics and dynamics. Listen, my friends, Satan doesn't care how right you are in your doctrine. If you miss the dynamics, you will not come up in the first resurrection. The bride must have mechanics, doctrine, quotes, scripture, yes. But we must also have the same Holy Ghost that the Lord Jesus had. The same one Peter had, the same one Paul had, same one Brother Branham had. Notice this in Colossians 1, 7, 17 rather. He is before all things and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, all things. You say, what does Jesus want of me? Everything. Everything. 
everything. He wants to be the preeminent force in your life. That don't mean now that you quit your jobs. That don't mean that you don't go on picnics. That don't mean you don't go fishing with your family. Excuse me, camping with your family. No, no, no. But just whatever you do, it's all at his pleasing, his direction, his leadership. Well, we're thinking about going here. I'm not sure Jesus would want us to go there. I'm not sure that we should fellowship with these people. I'm not sure Jesus would want us to. I'm not sure Jesus would be pleased with us listening to that type of music or reading them types of books or doing that type of thing. That's what he wants to be. But man wants to come in and be your leader. Then when man goes, all right, now y'all can read this and this and this book. You read anything else, you're going to hell. Y'all can listen to this song and that song and that song and that song. If you read, listen to anything else, you're going to hell. That's what people would rather have. They'd rather for some man to give them a list of do's and don'ts so they can know what to do. And the Lord God wants it to be a personal walk every day that you need him every day of your life. I don't know about you. I have prayed more in the last six months than I've ever prayed in my life. Am I the only one? Oh, Lord, don't tell me we're going to have more tribulation. Get the rest of you sorry outfits up to date. What does it do? It does something to us. I have called some of your names hundreds of times. Hundreds. I told Lisa yesterday, I said, Lisa, I have called Jimmy's name hundreds of times. And I hope and pray some of y'all have called my name at least 10 or 11. Why? It's what trouble does. Isn't it amazing? Priorities change. Boy, when trouble comes our way, we got this plan and that plan and we're going here and going there. That don't even matter. That don't even matter. We need God to move for this brother. We need God to move for that sister. We need God to move in our assembly. Give me a few more minutes and I'll close. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. This one here is so powerful in Hebrews 13, 3. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. Now, was everybody going to be in bonds? Nope. Will everybody in the bride? Nope. We've got some brothers that are in bonds in China. I read one of the letters from one of them, and I'll not mention the name, not long ago, and I thought, my goodness. I couldn't keep from weeping because as I read it, it was like another apostle being thrown in the dungeon. It was a man that his freedom had been taken from him, his liberty had been taken from him because of the message of the hour that we so freely can come and assemble and hear preached. And he jeopardized his life. I'm still in prison because of it. Yet he was writing to his brothers and sisters like a modern day epistle from a prison cell telling them not to be discouraged. Brother Dow, don't be overwhelmed and and don't, don't let this imprisonment of mine weary you, but be encouraged, be strengthened for the Lord God will bring me out and If that's not pleasing to him, then I will go by the way of other martyrs. I thought, my goodness. So will we ever face that here? I don't know. 
to be honest with you, I don't think we should have to wait till our pastor is thrown in jail. But if we hear one of our brothers, wherever they're at, will you take that brother on your heart with me? He's got a family, got a church that's dependent on him. Oh, hallelujah. Notice Paul was addressing those that were bound and those that would never be bound. But he knew if he could solidify this revelation in their heart, whether they were bound or not bound, they would see they have something to do. Now this brother there in China, he's made a great sacrifice for the Lord. My heart is always touched by China. As a matter of fact, I'd like to go back. I don't want COVID again, of course. But I'd like to go back because I've seen some wonderful things that happened there. So Brother Murphy keeps me updated on the things that are going on. My heart is touched because of that. So maybe I would have a closer identity than some of you, or maybe other churches that's never been there or never been associated with the work there. But as family of God, notice the way Paul said, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. So this is the way he said, I want you to think of them as if though you were in the prison with them. You see, this is where we need help from the Father. Because we can remember Him at the time, and then we walk out the door and do our own thing. Remember them as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. So let me close and say it this way. So this brother there in China would be as if one that our toe was stumped so severely and we can't hardly walk. Brother Darrell, many of you know, broke his toe a while back and he's still dealing with it. I saw him down in Louisiana, just Sister Karen's viewing and he was telling me, Brother I pray for my toe. He said, it still bothered me. It still hurt me. Why? Because it's still affected. Now the rest of his body may not be no pain. But there is pain. So it affects every other part about him. Oh, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I pray today, Father, you would help each of us. Begin with me, Lord. I realize I'm exposed to so much stuff, so much pain, so much suffering, things sometimes I can't even mention from the pulpit to keep from getting people in trouble. Lord, people may may wonder why sometimes a preacher isn't always just lifey and jokey and cut up and all that sort of thing. But Lord, every day of my life, I get under the load of death, divorce, sickness, backsliding people, children leaving you. So many things. I thank you for being my joy. Because if I didn't have you, I couldn't take it, Lord. I'm not trying to complain or I'm not trying to get people to feel sorry for me. But I do want your prayers. And I ask you for your strength. Passion of the church in these times are troublesome times. Lord, I need your help, as do other servants of God around the world. 
We do not desire to build a kingdom from here and that we would have a following around the world. We're not interested in a following. We're interested in pointing people to one who they can follow who is perfect, and that's you. Lord Jesus, we're not trying to build an economy on this earth, but we're pointing people to an economy which is to come, the kingdom of God. Lord, if there's one here today who's not ready for that hour, help us. Speak to their hearts. There's a backslider, one that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Lord, one that's never really made a commitment. Would you deal with them? I would say probably more than likely the big majority of the people here today and those streaming the service are Christians. So therefore our needs would not be for salvation. For many of them it's not to get the Holy Ghost. But Lord, it's to be more like you. For you to be able to fill every fiber of our being, as the prophet said it, with your presence. So we can love, forgive, be merciful, extend the virtue of Jesus Christ through our lives. Help us, Lord God, I pray. Father, we, we as a body, we need you. We thank you for the good things that we hear that you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that we've had some positive things, different people coming out of the hospital, different people recovering. I'm so grateful, Lord. In the last three, four days, I felt better myself <clears throat> by some of the things lightening off the saints. I thank you for the reprieve, Lord. I needed it. And I know the church needs it. It's not just me. Many of them have been under the load of praying. Some have taken it upon themselves to post prayer requests, keep everybody updated. Others running errands for one another and bringing food and buying groceries and just all sorts of things. What are they doing? Ministering to the body. But Lord, the thing we want to learn out of this is <clears throat> once this passes us, we may, we may not necessarily keep buying Gatorade or buying groceries because the husband and wife both are sick. But may we find that we've entered into a spot that we felt for one another like never before. I've heard it over and over and over again from so many different ones of the church that they've never seen the church come together at such a time as this. And over and over and over again, Carol and I have heard it said, poor Brother Donnie and Sister Carol, we're going to pray for them more now than ever before, what they have to deal with. So I believe, despite the hurt, the pain, the sadness, the sorrow that such times bring us, I believe even in those times, we can find the hand of God. God moving for us, helping us, keeping us. Then what Satan thought he would use to destroy and annihilate. As the words of Brother Terry Tidwell's song, which you gave him the inspiration to write, that we've been blessed by. God will make this trial a blessing. It may send me to my knees I may cry out. I may call upon your name. I may even say, Lord, do you remember me? Do you know who I am? But you'll turn this, Father, into a blessing. Oh, Satan thought maybe he would do this and that and the other. But Lord God, we know 
you watch out for your children. Even though some may go down to the valley of the shadow of death. But we know you well enough to know you have met them there, Father. You've given them birth to that body on the other side. Be with us today, Lord. Father, we still have those that are sick, those that are recovering. Those, Lord, that have weaknesses in their body. Me hearing from different ones by text or email. And they just feel a little bit apprehensive about coming back yet, Lord. But I pray for them, Lord, that you'd strengthen them and help them. Keep us, dear Father, we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Can we stand together? Brother Daniel, let's leave your scripture up here. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Look up here on the board. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. It's really a shame to me that a certain move in this message has taken these things, the Seventh Thunder group, and try to form a denominational thing around that and put the seven angels or the seven churches messengers and the seven virtues and all this thing together and add to what the prophet said. And then people are even scared to read these things. Don't you be scared to read this. This is your truth. Our age is the age of brotherly kindness. So what do you figure Satan will fight you the hardest on? Brotherly kindness. And what will charity, the love of God, the divine attribute of God's own love, where will it set down on? Not on faith. Oh, I've got faith. I can heal the sick. I can cast out devils. That's good. But you've got to be vulcanized. That was the word the prophet used. So one after another after another, seven ads. And your ad, the seventh ad, is brotherly kindness. What is the eight? Eight is the number of new beginning or new creation. The love of God himself, the capstone to cap off the pyramid. Praise God. You say, is it important? Well, let me just read you this. Brother Ram, statue of a perfect man, page 45, paragraph 3. Talking about this, put yourself in a brother's matter, in a brother's place on this matter. My brother sinned against me, said Peter, shall I forgive him? Seventy times seven, see, brotherly kindness. Now you see, if a brother's all out of tune, don't be impatient with him, see? No, see, be kind to him. Go anyhow. Why? This is our age. May God cap off every one of us. Sing that song for us, eh? God will make this trial a blessing. Can we worship just a little bit before we go? Yes. Praise God. I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord. Let's just listen to the words and I'll let it minister to our hearts. I just came into a valley One like I've never been before I keep searching for a way out Seem like padlocks are on the door. Oh, there must be another, another sunrise. sunrise, another sunset that I'll see. God will make this trial a blessing. That's, That's the love, love He has, has for me. me. 
blessing Though he sends me to my knees Though my tears flow like a river In him there's sweet relief There's no need to get discouraged There's no need to talk defeat God will make this trial a blessing
morning I see you in the sunrise every morning it's like a picture that you painted for me love letter in the sky Story. Oh, Jesus, you came, you came down, down Lord, to 
Let's just sing this song. Amen. This evening, or this morning, rather. I'm nothing without you. We worship you, Lord God. Amen. Let's just worship Him for a minute more this morning. We'll take these hands and build them up. Not the strength to praise you near enough. Oh, I am nothing. I am nothing without you.
enjoy the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Go, go this evening. Reflect on, amen, the words that Brother Donnie's spoken. Just remember the daily family. Remember the, the viewing here uh, Tuesday evening service on, or the burial service on Wednesday. Just continue to lift them up in prayer, amen, throughout the week. Let's sing this song this morning, amen. How many has a joy this morning, amen, that no matter what Satan throws at us, the world can't take it from us. Let's sing it this morning as you're dismissed. Oh, this joy that I have, you know the world can't take it from me. Oh, this joy that I have, you know the world This morning.